Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 81, The Next Generation of Spaceflight Leaders. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, young leaders, all to let you know the coolest information about what's going on right here at NASA. So if you're familiar with us, you'll know that we bring in these super cool people all the time. A lot of them are considered experts and have been at NASA for most, if not all, of their career. But how do you keep NASA going? And of course, you can pass on this knowledge to newbies like me, but who's going to lead them? It's a different kind of skill set, maybe more about those soft skills and inspiring others rather than the technical knowledge, or maybe a little bit of both. NASA is working with young leaders to develop these skills early with a program called FIRST. So today we're talking with Mohamed Saibu and Juan Carlos Lopez. This power duo is uh, very active in the community here at the Johnson Space Center and are part of this program first, learning how to be leaders at NASA even earlier in their careers. So we discuss what this program is all about, some of the challenges of leadership, and how this program will build successful leaders that will be the ones to put boots on our nearest celestial neighbors. So with no further delay, let's jump right ahead to our talk with Mr. Mohamed Cebu and Mr. Juan Carlos Lopez. Enjoy. Minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch the midlife search. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Mohammed and Juan Carlos, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Gary. Definitely. Thanks again, Gareth. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, it's been a while since we did the last podcast, Mohammed and Juan Carlos. Welcome. Yeah, um, but what's cool is that you guys are uh, both relatively young, um, but a little bit into your career. But now what we're going to talk about is going into this leadership program come first, which we'll sort of get into. But you're already very much involved in the JSC community, right? What are you guys, what are you guys into now, Mohammed? We'll start with you. Uh, so perfectly with me, I'm really focused on young professionals. So Emerg was one of the ERGs I was used to working, working with and yeah. just kind of trying to assist everyone new coming because I know the experience just as you know the experience too. like transitioning on from college to professional experience is a big jump. Yeah. So as we have new hires come in, I think so that's one thing I always promote too. I was like really get involved with the community. It's going to help you really feel like home mm -hmm. there because of course leaving college there, you always have your family, your friend that you've made up. So now you had you kind of have to repeat the process. You have to find dental insurance, like health insurance, <laughs> just a small stuff like that. What's a good gym? Yeah. So I just tried to, the newcomers come in. I was like, hey, guy, you know what I'm saying? Name is Muhammad. I've been here for five years. These are some of the tips and tricks I've learned here. And I was like, these are some resources that you can really utilize. I was like, don't think of it specifically like with the ergs. It's specific to race. I was like, mm -hmm. there's an erg everywhere. And I was like, even some of like the Hispanic ERGs or African-American Asian ERGs, you mm -hmm. meet some very cool people that become friends right. there. So that's really one thing I'm big, big on, just assisting new hires coming in yeah. to transition into the work culture. You're saying ERG, you're saying ERG, this is Employer Resource Group. They're, yeah, they're pretty please. much groups <laughs> here at Johnson Space Center, right, that are, I mean, it's about establishing a community. And especially with the Emerge, right? Yeah. This is new people coming in, and the goal is to make everyone just feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, this is how you This is how you live here, right? But you're part of... You're yeah, part well, of, speaking of the Hispanic ERG, I'm a really <laughs> active member of the right. Hispanic ERG here at Johnson. Um, we do a lot of educational outreach activities where mm -hmm. we go to schools and 
talk to kids about science and technology. Mm -hmm. And that's something that really inspires me about the work that I do here at NASA, the fact that I get to go talk to the students and just, you know, hopefully, uh, yeah, inspire them to become engineers and scientists. Yeah, not only the community here you're getting involved with, but the community, the local outside, community. Yeah, yeah, outside, yeah, outside, outside NASA, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's exciting. Best story that you have of working with kids and then trying to inspire them about NASA, about space flight, and just like their face lighting up. I got a story. Yeah, I have, I have a little kid that I recently talked to at a uh, educational career fair. Mm -hmm. His name was Tony. And he came and talked to our, our people at NASA at the booth that we had him there. And I asked him, hey, do you want to become an astronaut? And he said, no, you know, not really. I want to be an engineer. Oh. So I said, oh, really? What kind of engineer? And he told me that he wanted to design rockets to send astronauts to space. So when I told him that I was an engineer, too, he got so excited. He asked <laughs> me for a picture. And, uh, you know, that was just a really touching uh, memory really touching experience yeah mm -hmm. i remember that it was uh i think it was february 2017 it was when houston super bowl was mm -hmm. was happening yeah. here uh, and we did a bit we had a big setup downtown for just space flight stuff and i was it was the same thing i was talking to i was talking to kids coming around coming to the booth asking about nasa and i it, the topic of mars came up mm -hmm. and i was like you know and the kid was uh, probably like 13 14 and i was like you know it's about a kid your age right now that's probably going to land on mm -hmm. just study math and science and you should have seen his face it just lit up and his eyes went wide and his mouth literally dropped he's like are you saying i'm like i'm saying i guess <laughs> yeah yeah someone your age is going to be the one to land on mars and i was like study math and science and mm -hmm. i was like I, I never followed up i wish there was like a way to follow up after doing events like that just to see like i wonder how how much he's pursuing math and science now yeah and honestly it's so, sometimes easy to forget how cool our work is yeah. you know and it's when you talk to these students and people outside the gates that you really get an appreciation on how incredible NASA is. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I truly concur with everything I think Sawan said. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, getting involved in the community. I'm sure Emerge does it too, right? Yeah, I think so. We've done there. And uh, and just to go off what Juan said, another erg that I kind of got involved in early in my career was African American mm -hmm. Resource Group. And mm -hmm. they do a lot of outreach, going to student fairs, mm -hmm. and just taking just a step higher, I think so, talking to college people people in college who are really oh. stimulated to doing their even hearing their stories and they get uh it's interesting to me because i always put myself in their shoes and they talk about how hard it is to work for nasa what is there but <laughs> i think so i always take a step back and i was just like do anything as long as you put your mindset to it and if you're really passionate do that to say do the communicate that in an interview there and i was like that's what people look for. And yeah. I was like, that's what separates the good from the great. Right. When you have that drive or someone can feel that drive in your conversation. So I think so. I always get, I love that. I haven't been fortuitous enough to have as many events to go talk to younger kids. But I think so. And just talking to like college people or people in high school and promoting mm -hmm. STEM events there. That's a lot of things I try to communicate. Just yeah. bring your best self in whatever you do. And I was like, your dreams will come true. Because I was like, I think so everyone working here at NASA, even the three of us, we can all truly say the same thing. 
Muhammad, I work at NASA right now, and I'm inspired to work at NASA. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This, see, this is this is why I'm kind of excited to talk to both of you guys, is because not only are you doing great things, right? You're actually working in human spaceflight, but you're actively going out and doing things, extracurricular things, right? It kind of reminds me of college. Not only doing your classes, but joining a group on the side and doing some extra stuff. But you're doing that to try to better the community and to spread this word about NASA, but also to better your and that's what I wanted to get in today was, was this first program. This is about young leaders, right? I'm sure you guys were leaders even in college and even before that. But let's talk about first. What's, uh, what's this program, this first program? I'll let Juan tackle this. No, no. Well, it stands for the <laughs> NASA Foundations of Influence, Relationships, Success, and Teamwork. Of course, it's an acronym. <laughs> yeah, of course exactly. it is. Exactly. That's why I had to let him tackle it. It wouldn't be a NASA <laughs> program if it didn't have an acronym. Um, yeah, so I think the the program itself is is focused on on self self development and self awareness. Hmm. You know, it's about understanding who you are, where you came from, uh, how that has shaped you in a way, and understanding how you can become a better person and a better leader within NASA and within your community, your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the program is also focused on increasing our awareness on how NASA operates as an agency. Hmm. So we get to shadow senior leaders from different NASA centers. Uh, we have coaches and mentors that are kind of uh, helping us um, uh, develop those skills and you know understanding how uh, NASA works. Um, and we also get to build relationships with our cohort members. You know the program has forty. Uh, members from all the different NASA centers. Mm -hmm. So we really make, uh, we get to build strong connections and networks across the different NASA centers. That's huge. Mm -hmm. A lot of it sounds like exposure, right? You're you're sitting next to someone with the experience of managing, but then just sort of figuring it out, not just from the localized Johnson Space Center, Houston, Texas perspective, but you're you're getting the whole NASA perspective. That's Mm -hmm. pretty big. Are you guys traveling a lot? Yeah, so we do travel. (laughs) So we do uh, I don't know if you can say a lot, but I think so. The durations are mm. longer. So we go to four NASA centers. So this year, I think so they differ each year, but this year it was Wallops. Then we went to Glenn. We're going to KSC in December, and we're going to graduate from headquarters. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And it's a week. Each trip is a week. Each trip that we go there, we're normally TDY for a week, just yeah. building, to just go off what Juan said, building those relationships there and not only understanding NASA, but I think so one summarize the program perfectly, but one thing I personally like to emphasize, and I think so one can agree to, building those relationships with people from different NASA centers is so key and hmm. first really provides you a great opportunity for self-reflection and self-development there. Just seeing how you are perceived by others that you might not think about. Like you said perfectly, you're going outside that localized JSC view now, and now you're interacting with people from different centers who might be research centers, hmm. who are more building rockets like the Marshall Space Flight. So it's like, you're coming with a different perspective every time. So seeing that in uh, perspective, in personally, it's just a really big thing and really cool. So what kind of perspective have you realized that maybe we have that you, you uh, someone's pointed out to you? Maybe, oh, Johnson Space Center tends to be blank. <laughs> <laughs> 
arrogant. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know who. <laughs> I think that we're thinking the same thing. We're just trying no, to find we, a good way. Uh, we're really mission focused, given that we have like the mission control center. That makes you know, sense. We tend to, you know, kind of uh, lead a lot of the aspects of, you know, integrate stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I okay. think that, that just comes from the culture here at Johnson, you know, having I mission control. I see. So what about other centers? What are they sort of focused on? And what do you, what, what have you, I guess something that they are doing that you didn't even realize, oh, that's something that's happening and is equally, you know, is important to NASA. I guess Glenn would be a good oh, one. Oh yeah, Glenn perfect. Research. I think yeah. so you read it straight off my mind. So uh, going to Glenn and like I said, we got the opportunity to shadow senior leaders there. And in shadowing the senior leaders, the amount of research, and I think so, they do a lot of the backbone or the unrecognized work that we don't give credit to. They're so big into it. Uh, I think so. They test a lot of our vehicles. They do a lot of, they work with a lot of commercial partners that I didn't have any clue that we even had hmm. partnerships with there. So sitting there and going through their day-to-day, their day-to-day as far as research, what they're paying for. I think so a lot of times at JSC, we just think about the missions, the different programs we're supporting there, but we don't think about all of the back work they got us here there. And I think so Glenn has a lot of responsibility in that end, so I commend mm-hmm. them. And I had s- such a deep respect after going there for a week and shadowing senior leaders and seeing their day-to-day operations. Hmm. So I guess, uh, so leading is a, is a big part of this, right? Understand shadowing these leaders and understand how they're leading. What are you learning? Are you just learning how things operate? Are you learning how to operate them? Are you learning some soft skills? What's uh, what's this pr- first program really exposing you to? Uh, I think it's everything, you know. Okay. We, I've been able to sit in on um, technical meetings and conversations regarding, for example, Orion and Deep, Deep Space Gateway mm-hmm. and some of the challenges that the teams are going through to make sure that uh, the vehicle is going to be compatible, Orion is going to be compatible with DSG. Uh, but in addition to that, you also get to uh, uh, get first-hand experience and exposure to how these leaders communicate with others, how they mm. connect with other people. Uh, so you, I think you get the technical and the interpersonal skills by mm-hmm. shadowing. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Is it a different skill set to understand what it takes to lead and what it takes to actually do the engineering and the technical stuff? I think so. I mean, I come from an engineering group, uh, and I spend most of my day sitting on my computer analyzing data and writing code. You know, I don't really get a lot of human interaction at times. Hmm. Um, And, um, you know, I think it is important to be able to clearly communicate your ideas, to be able to engage people from different perspectives and uh, kind of get them on board your vision and you know, get them working together. Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe that it's a different type of skill set. Do you find that there are kind of different management styles as you go to different locations? Because maybe the management style is influenced by the culture. I agree. I think so. It's definitely culture plays a big difference. And that's something we've even learned in the program. Hmm. That's one of the first steps, not even to leadership, but just finding how you fit there. Understand the culture, understand the people and how you go there because it's not impossible, but someone coming from JC with a certain mindset and type of leadership transitioning to more of a research-based center is going to have 
have to transition or just change your mindset now because you're dealing with a different amount of people. They have different set of priorities. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of understand the context you're inserting yourself in there because that's only going to help you become better, not only as a leader, as a person talking to people. That's one thing I've seen with the leadership in shadowing not only at JSC at other centers there. It's just people understand how they're perceived there, those interpersonal skills and just communicating there where if I see, I don't need to throw out names, but just leadership there, people talk to each other differently because they know what's important to talk to. They know what is being focused, huh. what to target there. And that's just like so, it's, it's been awesome to me. But I think so the one common thing that I've seen that really resonates to me personally is humility. Hmm. Leaders know they're the great leaders, I don't think so. That Of course, we have so many. They understand they don't have all the answers. And it's a reason why we work as a team there. And I think so that's something NASA is great for. Hmm. We understand, we try to foster that teamship and that relationship there to know, to promote people, not to feel like you have to be quiet or like he's the boss, he runs everything, but everyone has a voice there. Yeah, it's a difference that you're even saying, you know, how, how leaders learn about their surroundings. That's how you were saying it. You weren't saying how they come in and manage it, you know, make it run like a well-oiled machine, but learn what the culture is, understand the needs of the folks that you're managing, and then hone in on the skills to understand that culture and communicate whatever needs to be done in a way that resonates with that particular you culture. You perfectly phrased it. Yeah. Maybe I should be a part of this program. I, I think you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I have the answers, but I understand what it takes to to learn, um, to, to understand that humility is is a big part of it. You know, if you just come in and want to, you know, your way or the highway, who's going to follow you on that journey, you know? So that's a huge part of it. I'm guessing as you're as you're going from center to center, you're you're picking out individuals and maybe some uh, qualities of those individuals. They're kind of piecing together. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I want to make sure I avoid that. Something like that. Is that is that part of it too? Kind of kind of just not only what they're teaching you, but just observing and teaching yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely sure. agree with you. I think so. A lot of times, so with the shadowing thing, it's not assigned to us. So we pick out people that we think are good leaders there hmm. we send them the personal email say hey this is the introduction of who i am there this is why i'm seeking to shadow you this is what i'm trying to gain do you think it's a good opportunity between me and you I'm, well that's how i pursue it there i just tell them what i'm trying to gain why am i doing this who i am and stuff like that and you make that connection there and those people say okay perfect they said a date and time there and you come you kind of of course you come to the center and you shadow there so you get the opportunity to figure out who do you want to choose, why do you want to do it with them, and kind of gain there. And it gives you a different perspective because you kind of, you have some type of overview, high-level overview of, like, who you think they are, but seeing them and shadowing them in the person is a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think there's a single management style that is universal or best. It's definitely one of those weird kind of case-by-case, place-by-place sort of things is 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 being a good manager Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what this is right the the first program is to understand how to be an effective leader so that ultimately you can become one yourselves yeah yeah and and what works for you essentially okay yeah yeah yeah. so trying to tailor yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay so do you understand I, i guess 
I mean, you guys just based on you know us talking even in the beginning are, are already very involved I assumed even in college you were pretty involved with things um, and going to those extracurricular activities and leading them so I guess what have you guys done in the past um, Muhammad we'll start with you in college or even here to to be a leader just within the, so, these groups so one thing if we're going back uh uh, let, I'll take a step back and I'll go to college. I'll go okay. to college and one thing, one leadership opportunity I think so in just starting that journey there was undergraduate research. Undergraduate research. I know it would seem, I think so intuitively, like how, how could you be a leader in undergraduate research? The professor runs everything. <laughs> but I was lucky to be researching under a professor who really promoted that innovative like push. I want you to find the answer, solution seekers, as hmm. you could say there. So it was more of less of a dictatorship. I think so that sometimes you get this screening from undergraduate research, but he said, this is a problem we're trying to focus. This is the context material, but now I want you to help me find a solution there. I was like, this is what people have done before. So he kind of gave me the tools I needed to, but he said, I want you to take ownership of this. Hmm. Take ownership of this. And like when you come present at boards and stuff like that, this is stuff you have done to position yourself, position yourself to find this answer there. So I think so he was really instrumental in just kind of building that into me and in where he was like, don't try to find something, find a given repeated solution, but he was like, you make the solution, take ownership of it and work there. So that was something that was really big. I think so post doing that, it kind of motivated me to even pass the word out. So it started my passion. Hmm and pushing my passion there and just taking ownership of that project in there and just knowing that I did it there. And I promote, I do that in everything else. Like I played sports in college there. So I always try to do, uh, I always try to take the extra mile and not even pass football and just football was sports I played for more context. Nice. But just taking it to studies and just tell people like, hey, look, we are not going to NFL, but I was like, we need to focus on like what's the next step like do you need help i've always been an engineer so i was like do you need help studying how like i can lead the study group so we can help people there and those small steps are i think so the big the small step to make a big impact down the road there because i still keep in contact with those people oh, who cool. have like yeah some have went to the nfl and some others are just working great jobs there and those small things they always tell me when we joke around he's like those make jerks he was like i know remember when you helped me out in statistics i was like Boy, that saved my life. And <laughs> we laugh about it now, but I think so. Those are the key things people appreciate because it's like, I recognize you for taking that extra effort on staying up with me to help me to do this. Yeah. Or even talking to people I research with, it was just like your positive attitude, your passion to what you did, even though like you didn't study word, made a difference to help me. And every time I hear those, it keeps me going. It keeps me going, pushing to the next level. I think that's one of the most powerful doors that you can open is, hey, here's a leadership position. I want you to own it and make it your own. I think that's one of the greatest ways to actually learn how to be a good leader is to just do it and mm -hmm. figure it out along the way. You're just failing, little failures along the way, understanding those sorts of things are, are I think, some of the greatest teachers. I remember, same, same deal, I was part of an organization. I did marketing in, in school, so I was part of a marketing organization. You know, worked my way up to be uh, one of the leaders in communication. I had two people under me. One of them was focused on internal communication, one on external communication. Totally different styles of managing. One of them was completely laissez-faire. Just let her do her thing, and she will 
produce great results. Don't try to tweak it. Don't try to do anything. Just let her do it. And it was that I had to do that sort of style for her. But for the other person, I had to be on top of making sure that she was following through, that I was giving her direction, that I was giving her praise and along the way. And it was just so interesting that even my own management style couldn't be consistent within one place you know it it definitely varied from person to person it was one of the greatest teachers right I didn't have someone telling me to do this it was just in order to be successful that was what was required of that experience it was interesting Juan Carlos what about you no no I I had a similar experience actually when I started working here at Johnson um I was really fortunate to be elected uh, chair of the Hispanic ERG, and I served as chair for a couple of years. Hmm. But uh, when I was elected, I just saw a lot of potential in the group to to use that group to help NASA reach out to emerging space markets in Latin America. You know, I knew that Mexico had recently uh, created a space agency, and there were multiple Latin American countries that were doing the same. So... I just had this vision like, hey, let's use the group to reach out, right? And and get people connected. Um, I didn't know how to do it, <laughs> you know, just like you were saying. And yeah. I tried to surround myself with people that had more experience, mm. that were more aware about NASA and the different strategic objectives that the agency had. And we were able to put a plan together. And um, through those two years that I was the leader of the group, we were able to establish communications with the Mexican Space Agency that eventually led to a couple of Space Act agreements. And we're currently working on a payload. We're going to be sending the first Mexican satellite to the ISS. All right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, those things that started with a vision and then they just translate into a, an actual product, a tangible, you know, that you yeah. can see. Yeah. So but it really was exciting. about it was about you know, putting yourself in a situation where maybe you didn't have the expertise, but what was the next step? And for you, the next step was to surround yourself with more information, mm-hmm. with, with with people who knew how to get you where you needed to go. An excellent, I guess, example of good management. If you don't know, you know, don't try to fake your way through it. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with the people who know. That was an excellent yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you learn a lot from the experience and then that helps you get into programs like FIRST. And yeah. <laughs> That's what we try. We try to work <laughs> off it. <laughs> That's right. I guess it was pretty selective, right? You had to submit mm-hmm. an application or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's really selective. You submit an application uh, and basically a questionnaire. Then I think so the follow-up step is have an interview. I think so that's another big one. So I think so throughout the whole center, everyone, they take hundreds of applications, thousands of applications. I don't know. Whew. Then they pick a handful of people to come interview with them. And then I think so we only pick four people, four people out of the Johnson Space Center. All mm-hmm. right. Out of everyone. So I'm talking to half of the first p- program. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so the Johnson people. Yeah. Johnson people. Yeah. From the Johnson people. So, okay. We got lucky enough to be mm-hmm. part of that half. That is awesome. So when you're, when you're shadowing some of these leaders and understanding what it takes to be a good leader, what sorts of things have, have opened up to you about leadership here at NASA. What what extra things that you didn't you wouldn't have known otherwise, but now you're sitting next to these leaders, understanding how they operate. What are they doing that maybe you didn't know before? The breadth of their responsibilities. Uh, personally, I feel that uh, all the people that I've shadowed are really competent from a technical perspective you know they they know their technical uh concepts Hmm. um 
And that kind of makes sense, you know, everything that we do at NASA kind of revolves around the technology that our engineers develop. Mm -hmm. So you really need people that have an appreciation on how that technology works. So I found that um, really eye-opening, mm -hmm. uh, what it takes to become a leader at NASA. I think it's it's the technical competence for sure. Oh uh, yeah, just even going off what Juan said, technical competence a really big thing. One thing I saw in there that really stuck out to me was recognition of others because as we go to these technical leaders, these guys are smart. They know <laughs> they know what they're doing back and forth, but they always give recognition. When someone says something, they was like, oh, I really love your idea. It just seems something that simple. It was like, they don't say but, but I know we've learned this too. Instead of saying but, they say, in addition to that, have you thought about this approach there? So they recognize people for what they do there. I've seen that a lot. And I didn't think about it because I learned this in first, but sh post-shadowing, I saw that happen a lot there. That mm. recognition just pe make people feel empowered in what they did there. That was something I really so I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. And wow. it's, I'm actually seeing what I learned in real life. So. Yeah. <laughs> kind of gives you a respect for the, for the leaders a little bit because of the, you have to not only be the, the extreme technical knowledge, as you were saying, Juan Carlos, just you have to know you have to know what you're talking about from a technical perspective, but you have to have these subtle soft skills, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The, the, the praising thing, not just uh, making sure that you're doing it in the right way. Mm -hmm. So it's it's balancing those two, I th what I think are very different skills, the technical side and the soft skill mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. So what sorts of uh, soft skills do you guys recognize that you guys have to work on? Well, I can start, I can start on mine, I think so. Mine is exactly what I'm saying, the empowerment of others hmm. and self-recognition. Because sometimes I know even with my position, I'm so focused on the objective, the mission, focused there, and I was like, cool, we need to do this, 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 and plan it out there. Right. But now, going through the program and just human life there, taking that step back and understand how am I being perceived by others, how am I communication, how am I making I'm using, I'll put one an example. How am I making Juan feel with these actions I'm imposing there? Have I kind of empowered him? Does he feel motivated to follow, lead, let me lead there? I Sometimes do, Mo, I like do. That. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's something I know I've been trying to just work on there, and that holistic aspect on me and my growth there, and just conciseness in my information. I think to me it's been... Um, acknowledging that I tend to focus on the big picture and I tend to ignore the day-to-day -day kind of activities that mm -hmm. are happening, you know? So I've been trying to work on that, you know, paying more attention to what's, what my, my team is uh, going through, you know, kind of solving uh, challenges that may arise in one day, you know, instead of just focusing on what's gonna happen a year from now, you know? The end goal. The right? end goal, yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm really focused on Opposite, that. but the same thing. We got yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I get that too. You have to, I guess part, part of being a good leader might be just identifying your own strengths. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing about leading is that you're surrounded by other people, right? So making sure that you're surrounded by people who can maybe fill in those gaps. If you're the, if you're the person that knows, the, that really is focused on the goal and will make sure that everyone else is focused on the goal, maybe someone else can focus on the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, through first, we've done a, a few assessments, like, you know, where we get feedback from our oh, colleagues yeah. and, and then we get a 
kind of a chart that tells us what our values are <laughs> and how, how high or low we score in each value. And mine, uh, I score really high on visionary or like vision, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and there's uh, pros and cons about that specific thing, right? Like what I was saying that a visionary doesn't focus too much on the day-to-day. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's about acknowledging that just like you were saying and try to get people that will complement your other aspects of you know the project and just to add on to that it's it's funny too when you fill out those surveys there and you get the results back and they're so accurate <laughs> to who you are so you always get a good giggle i know i did when i read it there and i was like wow yep this is me yeah <laughs> i did the same exact thing i we did a we did something here in our organization to find our strengths similar mm-hmm. similar thing is just to find your strengths and understand what your what strengths your teammates had so that you can sort of exploit those strengths and that was that was the idea mm-hmm. was if you were strong at that that person should be the one to do it it was a it was a different way of of thinking about it versus um improving your weaknesses it was honing mm-hmm. your strengths and focusing on that and mine was definitely and I'm, i couldn't tell if this was if this was uh, who I was, or if it was the demands of the job, but I was more of a, of an executioner. Mm-hmm. So I was the person that, if I was given a task, I needed to get it done, which is true in my job. And I don't know if if the results were skewed in a way because <laughs> my job requires me to get it done. So it's like if you get a task, you're gonna get it done, and I click, uh, yeah, five stars <laughs> over there, right? So I, I I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the demands of the job, and maybe with this first program, the demands and here, what I was lacking on was surprise surprise interpersonal skills which is funny because i'm doing a podcast right now trying to talk to you but what's funny is like empowering others and getting other others to do things something that i need to focus on because if i get a task i'm going to do it myself everyone stay out of my way not exactly the best way to do it right but i need to at least prove those skills and maybe the first the first program becoming a leader requires some of more of those skills so you guys are understanding the gaps that are your not your strengths right now because the demands of your job are required otherwise but maybe as you become a leader you understand some of those mm-hmm. and you're trying to fill them no i agree with you i think so that self-awareness is really big there yeah. to just understand because sometimes you get caught up into it you focus on your strength so much that you even forget like you have any weaknesses and you think you're perfect there but yeah just having that understanding that you have to grow like humility i think so then again humility in yourself and just like you have areas that you're not so strong in and sometimes your greatest strength is your biggest weakness <laughs> and if you don't know it, and it's exactly to you like someone i'll use you as an example gary to what you said you're an executioner you get stuff done and you know people may love that but then again your lack of interpersonal skills might come off to someone else who was like okay cool he gets everything done but he can't interact with people right yeah you can't put <laughs> him on a team he's yeah, just going to get everyone aggravated stuff like that. so i just use that i just yeah. use that as a, just a simple example of stuff like that so yeah, yeah. And I and I understand that, and I think that's that's huge. Is to like you're saying, identify those gaps because not not so that you can ignore them, but maybe so that you can improve on them. Maybe just a little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I guess if I that's my thing. If I get a task, I'm gonna go through with it. But I'm not gonna empower people. Come on, guys, let's all (laughs) do it together. Like, no, I gotta get it done. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, I know I know exactly what mindset you come from because I fall into that trap. It's uh so so what what other things I guess are are you understanding about about leadership because I know 
you're talking about the technical skills, you're talking about the interpersonal skills, but I feel like there's more. I feel like there's there's a budget side of things, right? Making sure that the team itself is running smoothly on an efficient budget. There's the staffing part of it mm-hmm. too, the human resources, right? You Obviously you're surrounding yourself with people uh, who, who are gonna get the job done, but then how do you do that, right? Staffing, make sure that people are sticking around, new hires are coming in, mm-hmm. passing on the knowledge, making sure. So it, w- what else is, is part of the breadth of, of, of leadership? I mean, for example, you were mentioning budgets, right? That, yeah. That's a big thing. Um, obviously, leaders, especially if you're managing a big organization like NASA, they have to be aware of the finances of the of the organization, right? Um, I, I've also found that leaders are really aware of, of their surroundings, uh, hmm. politics specifically. Interesting. Uh, you know, they have to be aware of the political climate and how that those politics may affect their organization and you know develop a strategy that will either mitigate that or like will take advantage of a specific political climate uh so i believe you know some of the most efficient leaders have to be well-rounded in in those aspects and um, understand how they may impact their organization yeah i think so one summarized the main uh perfectly and i think so one one key word that he said there is the strategic you really mm. have to be very strategic in how you place yourself, not only from politics, but to some of the examples you gave, the budgeting, the finances, staffing there. You have to understand what's your environment, mm-hmm. what is important, what is not important there. Of course, our path is who, what makes NASA there, but you also have to understand that we are growing. We have to keep up in order to continue to be leaders in the space industry. So you have to start to make those efforts to build on build on different areas, not only technically, but also in your staffing and build build on leaders like us. I think so all three of us here, there, because I was like, we are the future there. And I think so NASA's most valuable asset, of course, in addition to all of the millions of stuff we've done, it's <laughs> the people. I think so it's the people there. And oh, I think huge. so that's what NASA invests on. So that strategic element there is really important. That's something I see that great leaders really do there. Yeah. Not only understanding the mission, but also what it takes to accomplish that. Yeah. It kind of goes back to your point about, um, you know, understanding the goal, you know, the end goal. And then whatever it takes, whatever skills you need to accomplish that goal, that's what you really need to be successful in that leadership position. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find that um, the strongest leaders have a lot of the same qualities or do you find that they might have completely opposite qualities, but they are more tuned for the environment that they're in. These are really tough questions, by the yeah, way. Guys. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, not making it easy on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I mean, I'm like looking at the sky. Like, oh, good one. Uh. I mean, uh, NASA's facing a lot of challenges, right? Like, uh, you know, you were mentioning about investing on the next generation, right? Uh, the average age, I think, of a NASA employee right now is around 50, 51 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of, of the employees that we currently have are going to be retiring in the next 5, 10 years, right? So we really need to be creative at the way that we are uh, training and, and engaging this next generation of engineers and scientists and leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and I found that that's a quality that a lot of leaders have uh, is just 
creativity and, and innovation, you know. You, you really have to think of really out-of-the-box uh, solutions to the problems that you're facing. Right. It's, yeah. it's about taking, maybe it's, maybe it's about these out-of-the-box solutions, but maybe it comes with a strong knowledge of what things have worked in the past mm -hmm. and how can you creatively turn that to your situation mm -hmm. and how can you understand okay this a similar situation like this occurred it's not quite the same maybe if i tweak this one thing mm -hmm. maybe it can be the thing that works but this the it's the I, I guess the ability kind of bouncing off this idea of creativity the ability to adapt mm -hmm. adapt to the current situation and mm -hmm. make it work for you yeah and i mean the space industry seen a lot of uh uh, it's in a state of transition right now. We, you know, we, we're trying to empower the private sector, you know, work with companies like Boeing and SpaceX. Right. Uh, while at the same time, you know, we're trying to develop our next projects. Uh, and, you know, we really have to adapt, just like you were saying, to these changes. and. Yeah five creative solutions. You know, you're talking about other other companies, Boeing, SpaceX, I, that makes me think about the first program. You said you're going around NASA, shadowing different mm -hmm. leaders. Are there other leaders coming in? Are there leaders from outside, maybe from a different perspective, other than NASA that can improve? Yes, actually, we're encouraged to also shadow people outside of NASA. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, and some of us have taken advantage of that. Um, but in addition, we have a series of coaches that come from multiple organizations. Hmm. Uh, outside of NASA, so we really we've been able to learn from their perspectives and their experiences in these organizations. Yeah. Hmm. What are you What are you finding? What kind of tri tips and tricks about uh, maybe more and maybe towards the spectrum of humility, or maybe balancing humility with a little bit of assertion? And how do you how do you balance those things? So finding that balance, I think so. That's something that a lot of us struggle with. Well, I think some of the people just from a different NASA center with, what is that balance in everything you do? Yeah. Like, what is the balance between being assertive and being humble there? Because sometimes if you're too humble, you're just going to get ran over. Like, no one's going to listen to you or right. stuff like that. But if you're too assertive, no one wants to follow you. How are you going to follow it? So how do you strike that good balance there? So hearing from people externally, of course, they have a different mindset. But you can still figure, pull out the core tendencies that you see common in every leader, like that openness, that adaptiveness there. And I think so one thing I've learned there just with those external factors and they all, the external coaches all say the same thing. The first step is learning your team, understanding your environment and the culture you're in there. That's the first step of you doing anything. What did you get in a project and stuff like that? Who are you working with? Hmm. What are their tendencies? What do they like? What do they not like? Stuff like that. Not to say that you have to favor them or cater to them, but just having, understanding the context when you make decisions, how can that impact them and the stuff like that? Because that's what separates people. I think so separate the good from the great. And I just, we're not speaking as far as, now I'm taking a step back from leader, just from people-wise. Hmm. They're just showing recognition to others. That's one thing I think so I've really liked about the first program is that sometimes, you know, when you go into the program, I say this out because I was one of the people there in the first wallets, you focus so much like, I want to be a leader, I'm a leader, this type A type person, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. But they make you take a step back. I think that the first step, work on becoming your authentic self as a person. Because once you're true to that now, huh. becoming a leader is easy. It's just a walk in the park because if you're your true self and you understand who that is now, 
it's going to be easy for you to encourage others to do the same for a common cause there. So that's something I really appreciated with the first program in Aspen there and just for them to take the step back and say, okay, cool. Being a leader is awesome. You all, you like, you got selected here. You're going to become a leader one day, I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> let's work on your self-awareness, the self-reflection there and becoming your best self there. And once you've acknowledged that or you understand that, the leadership will come along with it. So. I love that. Your best self, you know, the, the best form of leadership of yourself is not necessarily that type A assertive mm -hmm. personality, the one that you think about when you think about leaders, but it's the best version of yourself, whatever that may be. Maybe it is type A, maybe it's something else, but it's understanding who you are and how you can best exploit those skills. Yeah, and then once you have that understanding, it's finding where within NASA you can maximize your contributions you know based on who uh, you are you know yeah. and what skills you bring to the table yeah, yeah. it's yeah well, who's yeah. the best version of yourself and where's the best where's the place that you can best put those exactly skills? Mm -hmm. oh that's important mm -hmm. you know what's it, I, I sense a, a huge amount of passion from both of you guys right I mean obviously Thanks. both leaders even just doing the extracurricular stuff here uh, getting selected for, I'm talking to half of the first program here, I didn't realize that. Um, but you guys are obviously, you, you have a lot of passion for what you do and, and what you want to achieve. But here's a question, you guys really, really want to be leaders, that's why you're part of this, right? Why, why do you want, why do you want to be leaders? So like, uh, I'll let one think of this, but <laughs> I'll just go for this, I will say this, my answer has changed. So, of hmm. course, my answer has changed from before, just going to the program. Of course, you know, my, before, I'll tell you before, I want to make an impact to the organization, leave my footprint there. But I think so, going through the program, meeting, and I kid you not, there's no story, meeting people like Juan and stuff like that, hearing his perspective and just going through the thing there. It came back to what I just said. I want to become my best self mm. because I know once I'm at my best self, my best capability, I'm going to... I want to become a positive inspiration for others to do the same. And I think so that will be my impact. And so if I can answer why I want to be a leader, that's what it's more me be leveraging all of my capabilities, everything I've learned there to become my best self, to inspire others around the center and the agency to do the same thing. Because I think so looking back and reflecting back to the leaders in our generation, they have all done the same thing. You hear the people like Gene Kranz, Hmm. I was like, his professional technical excellence inspires others who are like, okay, cool, I want to be just like that, because he was always at his best self. That's right. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's about improving yourself, but impacting not only, you know, having the greatest possible impact on NASA, knowing that what you're doing is, is having a lot of influence on the direction, um, but also on the people within. You know, because like you said, Gene Krantz, he not only inspired NASA and helped us to get on the moon, but people are inspired by him and reflect. Even even my dad actually uses Gene Krantz regularly uh, in training exercises to influence other leaders to become mm -hmm. great leaders. He is an example of great leadership for something that has nothing to do with space, but it's oh, just wow. that, that uh, idea of, of great leadership. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Juan Carlos, I'd be nervous to follow that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Juan <laughs> <laughs> is pretty good. Believe me, don't, don't tempt him. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> All right. No, you know, recently a colleague of mine uh, received his 55 year of service award. Whoa. 55 years working at NASA. And 
to honor him, uh, our bra my branch decided to dress up as Apollo era engineers from the 60s. <laughs> you know, our short leaf shirts and our skinny ties oh, and wow. our glasses, our pocket protectors. <laughs> um, and we were actually, when he received the award, he called us on stage to go with him, all, all my group. And I remember looking around and feeling really happy and fortunate to be able to work with, with these people, right? Being able to, to, to talk to my colleague and have lunch with him, right? Uh, and be able to go to his desk and ask him a question about this docking uh, procedure that he developed for the Apollo program, right, from the 60s. So I, I feel really happy. And then at the same time, I realized the responsibility that I had, given that the people that will come after me won't have that opportunity, right? Mm. So to me, it's about becoming a leader to make sure that I can document and capture this knowledge and pass it to the next generations that will come after me. Mm. So I think that's, that's what motivated me to apply to FIRST and go through this path. As he, it's like a sense of a calling, a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. you, see, you, you see it. You're surrounded, you're, you're up on the stage, you're surrounded by people who are passionate about celebrating with this guy who has been at NASA for his entire career, right? 55 mm -hmm. years. Maybe he did something before him, mm -hmm. but 55 years is still a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but to understand that not only has they're passing on his you know, knowledge, but all, everyone dressed up. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing it for him. They're celebrating with him. He has had an impact on the people around him. So much so that they decide to dress up. <laughs> yeah, no, serious. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about who in the office I would dress up for. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Because I, I, this, is, this has been, I, I, I wanted to know about first, but really leadership is something that I, I, I find fascinating because it's so ambiguous. Um, you know, leadership is not a, it's, it is a science, but it's a molding adaptive science. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that whatever techniques you put forward are the best for the situation that you need to be in. And I find it, I find it absolutely fascinating. So I was asking a lot of hard introspective questions mm -hmm. for you guys. Yeah, some tough ones. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. So final thoughts before we break off. Well, okay. Uh, I think so. <laughs> the few final thoughts, I think so. And just for people... Even thinking about first leadership, and I think you phrase it perfectly. It's so ambiguous because there's no there's no guidebook, and I think so. Sometimes going in, I was like, okay, cool. This is what I have to do to be a leader. And I think so. Some a lot of people fall with the millennials fall into that trap, and you think, <laughs> okay, cool. If I can get this leader's work done in half the time, I'm just going to be in the same position. But uh, going through first, and I think so, building these experiences, and I even say taking a step back to my job here as a flight controller and the people I'm surrounded by has really helped me to grow. And uh, self-awareness and always the humbleness to just know that you can always grow and learning from your failures. Treat your failure just as the same aspect that you treat your accomplishments. I think mm -hmm. that that's something I've really learned and just treating everything as a learning opportunity. And uh, I use that and I've learned that through the program and just even with some of these leaders here now. And don't get, because I, sometimes I get hung up on my failures and <laughs> there, but just talking, shadowing to these amazing leaders there and they tell you what they've grown, how they've grown from being in some of my position to now there and 
it is so just humbling and eye-awakening just hearing that. So mm-hmm. I know the self-growth, the constant pursuit of self-growth, regardless what aspect that you pursue this in, is something I would always say inspire for others to always do, continue to do. I would like to extend an invitation to the next generation hmm. to really to feel empowered and to be proactive. I think, as I said before, the space industry is in a big transition right now. And I feel that we should, we need to make sure that our perspective as young engineers, as people of underrepresented minorities even, that our experience and our perspective is taken into consideration as we develop this new business model for the space industry, right? So I would like to encourage people to just get out there, learn, you know, make sure that um, you're making an impact within your community, your, your city, your country, and, uh, and yeah, become a leader. I love it. Mohammed and Juan Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved this conversation. I, f- I feel like I'm surrounded by so much positivity and so much passion <laughs> from you guys, um, but it, it, it's inspiring me not only to better myself, which I think is a good calling because ultimately it will better, better others, but then also to make sure that what you're doing has an impact on the community and, and the the business around you just changing that's that's the calling right seems like you guys want to yeah. change the world and, <laughs> and i uh one step at a time yeah one step at a time i love it guys thanks so much no, Thank thanks you, a lot gary Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we talk with Mohamed Saibu and Juan Carlos Lopez about this new program first, but really got into some introspective questions about leadership just in general. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, I actually was a student with some of these guys, so it was a pleasure to have them on the podcast today. You can check out some of the other NASA podcasts we have uh, on a mission from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Invisible Network about uh, some of the space communications, Gravity Assist, Rocket Ranch, NASA in Silicon Valley. We have a lot of them now. Um, but I just want you to know that if you're listening to this and you were one of the first to start listening to us, thank you. Uh, so on social media, you can follow us, the NASA Johnson Space Center, some of the things we're doing here and some of the programs that some of the employee resource groups are doing. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for some of those. If you have a question about the show, question for some of our guests, or you want to dedicate an entire episode to some topic that we haven't covered yet, use the hashtag AskNASA. Make sure to mention Houston, we have a podcast. So this episode was recorded on November 20th, the 20th anniversary of the International Space Station, uh, 2018. Uh, thanks to Alex Perryman and uh, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, and of course to Mohamed Saibu and Juan Carlos Lopez for um, volunteering to come on the show and talk about this great program. We'll see you next week.